It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in again today. We are continuing in our study of Matthew chapter 6. Now, the reason why we're here is because over the past few weeks, we have been studying about the radical teachings of Jesus Christ our Lord as we learn about discipleship, what it means to truly take up the cross and follow Jesus, to lay aside all that hinders, to present ourselves as an offering unto the Lord. We belong to Him. We are no longer our own. We've been bought at a great price through Jesus Christ's own blood on that cross. And so therefore, we're talking about a radical teaching that sets us apart from the love of the things of this world, as we often find around us uh, materialism and gratification in material possessions and desires to lay up treasures on the earth, we are now going to address the Lord's powerful teaching on this subject in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. So before I get into reading our scripture for today, let me just remind you that if you have missed the prior weeks in this study, and, and certainly each and every broadcast is a complete thought But if you want to pick up the whole series, you can go back to calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. There you can find this broadcast and many others, the whole series right there at your fingertips, and you can share it with your friends and family alike. To help me in this study today is my good friend, Dr. Steve Ford. He's back in the studio with me. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. That's a great idea that you give listeners. This has been a fantastic series on discipleship. We were talking before the show. Really, this is a great discipleship series. Super timely. And, uh, you know, last time, as you were talking about uh, emphasizing so many times in the prepper mindset in the world in which we live today, that we're, we spend so much time preparing phys- physically and, and bullets, beans and band-aids and that mm-hmm. sort of things in case something goes wrong. And are we invested properly? Are we diversified properly? But are we putting the time and effort into preparing spiritually and pressing in to, to God, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that no matter what happens... We are ready to be able to survive those times, not dependent on our own resources, but on God's resources. That's right. And you just look to the Lord's Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24, 25, uh, also Mark 13, Luke chapter 21. He frequently reminds us that in these moments of adversity, especially now that speaking directly to the tribulation period, but the truth still remains that as they were thinking about even what to say, in the midst of adversity. He says, worry not, I will put my words to your lips. He will care for us, and therefore we need to be more prepared spiritually, as you just indicated, more so than physically. And if we are properly aligned spiritually to the plumb line of God's holy word, we will find that we're able to weather these storms because he will provide. He he provided sandals that didn't wear out for his peoples. He took them through the wilderness, the Israelites, after they're in Exodus out of Egypt. 
He provided for them for their food, uh, even quail. It wasn't just manna. He did change up the, app, the, the, the you know, the, <laughs> the, 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 yeah, the, a little bit of a buffet there, I suppose. Uh, but he's always merciful. He has constantly revealed time and time again that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Right. He will provide for his people. But if we are not aligned spiritually, we will treat him like a divine genie of the stars that he will just meet all of our physical wants and desires and needs, and and we need not have to cultivate closer communion with him, which the contrary is true. We need to be in total devotion and service to him, cultivating that relationship like Martin Luther who prayed for three hours a day, because in that he knew that that relationship would carry him through all the storms of life with the proper paradigm, a proper right perspective of even hardships in this life, that they would no longer beat him and toss him to and fro like like a, a little tiny rowboat caught up in the storms of life. Yeah, before the show, we were talking about the the short attention spans of people today, mm-hmm. and it's it's you know pray more, worry less. That's our sound bite for. <laughs> That's right, amen. You're a good bumper <laughs> sticker, right? Martin Luther, yeah. That's right. Well, we are talking about where is your treasure? Really, that becomes the question. We often think it's this is an issue about money. That's not what he's talking about. Money is certainly a factor because it often is the uh, the culmination of all of our labors that we we use money to to purchase the things that we want and the things we desire and it gives us this illusion of power and control right. and, and 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 protection and safety all of these things that we wrap around this idea of money and so money becomes a a thematic thread through it but it's much bigger than that and so let's uh, read now Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 to 21 he says do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Dr. Ford, I I want to take us back to a couple other verses that we looked at last week. And just in brief, Uh, as we were talking about how easy it is to try to weather the storms of life by just being more prepared physically, what we learn rather quickly in Ezekiel chapter 7, verse 19, where he tells us that they will throw their silver into the streets and the gold will be like refuse. Their silver and their gold will not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. So again, putting these monetary values that have no value really in the scope of eternity that he's saying they, they're just going to toss them in the street. It, just like in Genesis where we see that the the people's money became worthless of the people of Egypt when God's judgment was upon them by way of famine. Yeah, I think that's a, a great historical illustration and wake-up call for mm-hmm. today. With COVID, Amen. we've seen how quickly things can change. That's right. And definitely things could change very quickly economically like that. That's right. When I when we were talking about this and I, and I hear what you're saying, it just goes back to the words of Jesus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all mm. these things will be added unto you. That's right. Jesus Amen. says, don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. I've got you. Just focus on me and you're going to be okay. That's right. And keep your eyes on the right reality. Right. Right. Eternally minded. 
uh, not not just temporal minded. We right. so fixate on the things that our hands can touch and feel as if that is real yeah. in the scope of eternity. And it's because that's what we know. Yeah. We live in this terrarium. In physical world. It, yeah, yeah, it's the stuff in the box right. we've often heard. And that's what we assess everything that is real by, right. is if something <laughs> physical it, has more it. tangibility than something spiritual. And the moment we start to realize we're more spiritual than physical, that's when our prayer life will fundamentally be transformed. Because now we'll start to live with eternity in view. Everything will be built on that truth. And, and therefore, we start to see verses like Second Peter 3, 10 to 13 different, where he reminds us that all of the things in this world will be burned up. Right. You're laying up treasures here, and all of it, he talks about all the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that, it, that are in it will be burned up. If that doesn't get our attention, I don't know what will. Yeah. We spend so much emphasis on how our homes look and our cars and the clothing we have on our backs and all these things, though they give us some kind of worth and they are worthless in the scope of eternity. Dr. Ford, as we talk about these treasures, as we, we talk about now what the treasures that we lay up are that are not the treasures of eternity, what are the right treasures then? I mean, really, I know the Bible gives us great deal of clarity on that because it's this contrast between what the flesh desires versus what we should be craving spiritually by way of the Holy Spirit in us as a temple of the Holy Spirit, the things we really should be after. I know that Peter had a lot to say on that subject. Can you give us some further clarity on that? I know that from First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 8, there's a lot to learn from that section alone. Definitely. And and here's what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Though for now, a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Mm, amen. amen. There it is, the genuineness of your faith being more precious, precious than gold, gold because yeah. what happens to gold? It perishes, <laughs> right? right. Uh, we often think uh, these precious metals, though purged through fire, the refiner's fire and all the slag and impurities that are removed. And oh, at the end of it, that's what we seek then, right? Are these golds and silvers, precious metals. But at the reality of all of this, you, you contrast it with the majesty of God and the eternal space in which we dwell with him forever these things are nothing. I, I mean, you think about the fact that even the street will be made of gold in the New Jerusalem. Yeah. So here it's pavement, right? right? <laughs> Beautiful right. nonetheless, right. but not to be valued like we put the value on it today. I think the reality that's before us, Dr. Ford, is we just don't understand the magnitude of our inheritance. We don't right. understand the value of this gift through Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we will dwell in the presence of the Most High forever and ever. So it's like you're sitting on this treasure that has no va no measurable value in the eyes of men. You couldn't put a number big enough to it. All the monies in the world could never purchase it. It is beyond human understanding of the magnitude of its value. And we sit on it. We just don't understand how powerful and beautiful and, and awesome this is. 
And there was a story many years ago uh, John MacArthur had shared about Rob Cutshaw. Now, Mr. Cutshaw owns a little roadside rock shop in Andrews, North Carolina. And like many in the trade, he, what he does is he hunts for rocks. Okay, so he's a rock salesman, right? So he sells them to collectors and jewelry, jewelry makers and, you know, people who are looking for these special type of rocks that, that complement a collection. So he knows the right rocks to sell. And so he goes, he goes on the hunt. He finds all these. He puts them out for display. And he leaves all the appraising of his rocks to other people. As much as he enjoys the work, he doesn't always get to pay the bills with this hobby of his. But while he was on a dig about 20 years ago, uh, Mr. Cutshaw found this rock that he described as purdy and big. And so he tried unsuccessfully to sell the specimen, and he just decided to keep this rock under his bed or in his closet, wherever it wasn't in the way. And he guessed that this beautiful blue rock was maybe valued at around $500. And so he would have taken around 500 bucks if somebody had offered it, and he, he got no offers. So he took this little purdy and big rock, and he put it in a safe place. It really, at this particular time, it had made its way under his bed, and it had been left there. I, I mean, he just, he knew it was there, but as life got busy, he just forgot that this particular rock was there under his bed. Well, two decades go by, and he goes and he finds it again, and little did he know that he was sitting on what was the largest sapphire known as the Star of David that weighs two and a half pounds and ended up being valued at $2.75 million. So this rock that he thought was just purdy and big at a $500 value estimate that he had put on it was actually a $3 million rock the whole time he had been sitting on this. It was, he found, he finds it, he thinks it's beautiful, thinks it has some value, but doesn't understand the magnitude of what he had really discovered. And I think that's true for many believers today. We don't understand the rich treasures of Jesus Christ. And through his holy word, if we really understood the depth, the mind that is unexhausted, it's never exhausted, it's, it's always producing truth. If we spent the time in his word like we know we should, you would find it's the greatest adventure, the greatest satisfaction, the journey to explore life and understanding of the realms of God and all that he has created. It's right there at our fingertips, and it just sits there on our coffee table collecting dust. Yeah. We don't understand the magnitude of the riches that have been given to us, and so we're to strive for treasures that are beyond this earth. Uh, often described to us with things likened unto the things on this earth, because that's all we understand. And so I think that when we get these descriptions of even the New Jerusalem, it's it's the Lord in his mercy and patience, even with us, that he gives us descriptors that maybe we can try to wrap our little arms right, around, a, a little jelly yeah. brain around, <laughs> uh, but it's even greater than that. Right. And the Apostle Paul speaks to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 to 15. Dr. Ford, if you have that, maybe you can read that one for us as well. Yes, and it reads... Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as though through fire. Mm. Amen. 
Yeah, powerful text. Yeah, it really is. It really, uh, really speaks, I know, at least to me and resonates. And even as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, if our lives and our conversations are not looking any different than our neighbors, with all that we've been given and all the Lord has revealed to us and the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, something is wrong. Mm-hmm. And as we go through, you know, you've know, you talked a number of times about how we use our time, where is our heart and as we go through each day thinking about how we're going to spend our time, what we're focusing on, and to be able to ask ourselves, is this hay, wood, and stubble? Mm-hmm. Or am I spending my time with gold, silver, and precious stone? Is this something that's going to perish with the earth that has no eternal value? Because really, nothing in this earth has value unless it's done to the glory of God. That's right. That's it. That's, yeah. I mean, that's, Amen. that's the standard. Does this glorify God? Then that's gold, silver, and precious stones. I, if it doesn't, then. And it, it's probably fair to say that we struggle with the prioritization of our time, right? Amen. That we, yeah. we are in this construct of, well, okay, we've got at least eight or nine hours, maybe 10 hours in the day. We've got to dedicate to work some even more than that. Sure. As a doctor, you know, I mean, there are many days that draw you away from home, uh, surgeries and so forth that. Uh, you know, obviously are quite demanding of your schedule. And so you can find yourself spending 60 hours in a work week dedicated to that profession. And then whatever's left over, then you find, okay, I've got to obviously spend some time with my wife and my children and, and whatever my sphere of influence is and family and so forth. And and then we're, well, okay, and then we're given unto our hobbies or maybe some leisure that we try to work in the mix there too. And then finally, we say, okay, what little I have left, uh, maybe I'll spend some time with God. And the reality is, is these are all inverted priorities. Right, flip that. <laughs> yeah. It, it, <laughs> like Martin Luther spoke to this uh, on, on his prioritization of prayer, he found that he was more productive giving God his best, his first fruits even of his day, more so than giving it to anything else. Although they were demanding all the priorities of the day, we all have pressing matters that need our undivided attention. And yet in this, we will find that every day presents a test. How important is God in the midst of all the noise? Because you will be more productive. It doesn't necessarily mean that all the adversity goes away. In fact, there might be an amplification of adversity. Uh, Those may intensify. The closer you draw to the Lord, it seems that the enemy presses against you even more. He seems to desire to come against those who call on the name of the Lord as if likened unto Job. Oh, I see what you're doing there. And he (laughs) is the roaring lion seeking to devour after all, according to 1 Peter 5.8. So there is a desire to sift us. And the Lord will allow him at times to do just that because it is the refiner's fire to purge from us all the these things that take us away from our first love. Yeah, and Satan doesn't even have to get us to do wrong. He just has to sidetrack us. So it may not be this tremendously overtly sinful thing that we're involved in. We're not necessarily talking about committing adultery or you right. know anything egregious, but even if he just neutralizes us by wasting our time or uh, you know thoughts of low self-esteem and self-worth and inability to accomplish things and those sorts of things and doubt, right. then he neutralizes. He neutralizes our impact. He neutralizes uh, how much we actually bring to the fight. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's interesting because I've often heard people say, you know what, after a long day of work, I just want to go home and turn my brain off. <laughs> right. Right. They're, just, they're mentally fatigued. Yeah. Uh, right. And so they, they often will justify, I'm not going to spend the proper time with the Lord that I know I should be because I'm just too tired. I think that fatigue creates the 
opportune time to test our allegiances. Yeah. That even just reading a chapter from Psalms at the end of the day, you know, turn the TV off, turn all the noise off, read something from God's Word, especially the book of Psalms. It's a, quite a, a paradigm shift. It really does create an alignment exercise in a worshipful spirit. If we begin and end our day in some form of praise and worship, it really does help taper the emotions, any stresses, any fears, your, your natural inclination that out of fatigue you may be short and abrupt with your loved one and maybe not listening as intentively as you should. Uh, the things that we know we should do better, but at the evening hours, we are less patient with those around us. It's amazing how a proper alignment exercise going to God's holy word in prayer even if it's not, uh, even if it's not in your house, say you haven't even left your car yet. If you need quiet time, right then and there, before you even go and and speak to another family member, prioritize God above all else, and watch how this is the vitamin to your soul. You will be better prepared, more uh, able to handle the adversities that come upon you. That's why the Ephesians 6 armor of God is so imperative in this. You, you don't take that armor off until the end of the day. Yeah, we tend to think that we are responsible for making things happen instead mm. of the God of all creation, all power, all omniscience, you know, omnipotent, uh, that he has all these resources. But for some reason, we tend to feel like it's all on us, but that's not so. We mm. spend that time with God. We lift that up as a, as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to him. How much more is he going to bless us and basically make things happen that we can't even imagine as possibilities? I mean, if we just saw this as somewhat like a test, and i that's a hard word to use. Uh, we don't uh, experience or, or even go into testing very well. Right. I don't know that there are many who, who are listening right now who would be thinking, oh, I can't wait till my next right. test. <laughs> but really, life is a test. It Every is. day is a, a, a re- revelation of our allegiances. Is God truly number one? And, and and now if we just think of it like that as a test, we're going to resist it all the more. But if we think about it as cultivating relationship with the highest office in the universe, that your boss is subject to him, every antagonistic individual in your life is under That's his exactly authority. Right. Every adversity of your flesh, every financial matter, everything you deal with is under his authority. Then why waste all the time with the energy and fears and doubts and gossip and all the things where you try to vent your concerns to somebody else? Go right to the highest office in the land, lay those burdens at his feet, ask for strength to navigate them, and watch how your attitude begins to change. Watch how your confidence begins to change because now you're going to the place where all decisions in the universe are made and then your fears subside your worries your doubts your anxieties are all really put into a proper perspective that where they they have less control over your emotions that day it's an amazing thing that god has given to us dr ford we're out of time again i can't (laughs) believe how this happens but i think that a great encouragement to those who are listening right now, that as you think about how do you lay up treasures in heaven, there are some practical ways in the everydayness of life that the Lord gives us throughout the instructions of his holy word, especially throughout the New Testament. We're told to love our neighbors ourselves. We're going to go through more of these radical teachings, by the way, but we're to be a cheerful giver. We're to honor God in our marriage. We're to honor God in our thoughts, not thinking about the lustful things of the flesh. We're to share the good news often, frequently, everywhere, to everyone, 
as often as we can, bear the light. Uh, There's so many ways that we can express this, and we'll talk about that through the next coming shows that as we look at how do we bear the light, how do we produce things that are a sweet aroma unto the nostrils of our King, and we also have to recognize that it's Him working in and through us. Any good thought that we think is because of Him. Any good action that aligns with that is because of Him. That's what Paul told it told all of us through Philippians and the Church of Philippi especially. But we have a lot to learn, a lot to grow from, and certainly a lot we can do to the glory of the Lord as we lay up true treasures in heaven. Dr. Ford, always a pleasure to be on the broadcast with you. And we want to thank all of our listeners for your faithfulness as you support this ministry, this work of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. This, this program is made possible because of you and all of our faithful listeners. And we want to encourage you that if you are looking for a church to worship the Almighty God there and with others, come and check us out at Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. We'd love to see you there. There are a number of ways for you to get involved. To learn more, go to calvaryfountain.com. Again, this is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church, and we'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.